other person who was not selected, he, he knew, he had a lot of integrity, actually, even though <laughs> there was lots of other things, but he, he had a lot of integrity. He knew, hey, if I wasn't chosen, it's not good for me to stay. So he actually, he resigned within weeks of the decision, right? He didn't linger. Welcome to the Consultant and the Coach podcast. Hey, we are excited to talk a little dysfunctions of a team and what that looks like. So listen in and uh, may this conversation uh, between Josh and I bless you. Well, welcome to another uh, episode of The Consultant and the Coach. Uh, today, we're talking about team dysfunction. As you remember, a few weeks ago, we addressed part of that around trust. Today, we're going to be talking about helping leaders along the journey, in particular, as it relates to getting the most out of your business, more than the sum of your parts, uh, and dysfunction being the opposite of that. So when you're actually getting less than the sum of your parts, which never feels good. So let's dive right in, Eric. Yeah. If we don't do this right... Business sucks. It's horrible. It, it's miserable, produces anxiety, you name it. So the the verse we have this morning is out of Proverbs uh, 27, 17. We should all have at least heard of this. Iron sharpens iron just as one person sharpens, in other words. Uh, in other words, our team is so much better when we're sharpening one another. That's right. Yeah. And if you think about that, there's a couple uh, important lessons, I think, in that scripture for business. One is, um, you know, when you have the right people working together, you make each other better, stronger. Uh, you get what you're supposed to out of business, which is more, again, than the sum of your parts. You overcome the dysfunction of individuals and systems. Um, the other thing to think about, though, actually, when I was looking at that scripture for today was um, if you're, say, we're assuming iron sharpens iron, that sort of analogy is people sharpen each other. Yeah. Well, guess what? E either side of that equation is not very comfortable. Like when you're getting slammed against iron to make be made sharper, whether that's athletic sharpening or business sharpening, or that's not comfortable, right? So I think what we want to talk a little bit about today is getting into how do you undo that dysfunction? How do you, I think the word you use, mine the conflict, Yeah. right? And so- But even as we think about mining and when iron is sharpening iron, iron when iron is sharpening iron, there's sparks, man. Right. And yeah, you better not, not be doing this in a big grass field because mm -mm. now you have a field fire. Not a dry one, that's for sure. No, but <laughs> and then when it's done, yes, there are sparks, but then you have a amazing sword and knife and you can just pierce through, let's say, whatever meat you're trying to cut because you have a great uh you have a great knife, way better than a butter knife. Right. Yeah. So I think there's um, there's some pain before the results, and I think that that's what we want to talk about today from a from a business um, from a business perspective. So let's talk about you know mining the conflict. What what comes to your mind when you think of you know mining the conflict? Well, what, what comes to my mind, and this drives a lot of my team members nuts. Think of any movie. Mm -hmm. Let's think of an Avengers movie. Let's say you you don't watch the movie saying, oh, I really hope there's no conflict. There's a good side, there's a bad side, and you're just like, well, what's gonna happen? And it's really entertaining and fun to watch. It's the same thing in business when we have this conflict going, we're like, okay, we have a business problem to fix. Mm -hmm. There's gonna be sparks. There's gonna be one side, there's gonna be another side. It's gonna go back and forth. And for me, it was thoroughly liberating understanding business is a lot like a great movie. If we do it properly, we can kind of enjoy the protagonist and antagonist and what's going to happen next. Now, we need to be on the same team, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. what I think about is there's going to be conflict and it should be fun if we learn how to do it in a productive, 
way. Yeah. So how do you think about the difference between, say, what I would call a process conflict versus a business conflict? Mm-hmm. And how do you think about those two things and address them? Or how does that impact how you think about addressing them from a mining the conflict perspective? Where, where I'm going in terms of when I lead my meetings and coach others, I want I want a really good, healthy discourse that goes back and forth. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we've talked about before groupthink. You don't want someone just to say, hey, this is my idea, and then everyone runs down the same direction, and there's no disagreements. Then that makes me wonder, okay, uh, why are we all not disagreeing? And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, frequently leading groups of 8, 12 people, not everyone should have the same perspective. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm thinking of a good process, there's got to be give and take going both directions. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. about you? Well, and I would say as I've worked with teams, you know, the process conflicts are tend to be the simpler ones, right? It's, hey, this is how we develop this widget. Mm-hmm. And there's someone who has accountability to deliver. And, and if someone, likely, hopefully the person who owns that process, has a better idea on how to process it, that should be a fairly light conflict. That should be a what's the process, what's the value for the customer, how do we deliver it more efficiently? That mm-hmm. That's sort of a rational conflict. I find the business conflicts are much messier, right? When it comes to the Avengers movie, it's hard to figure out. I mean, those I love those movies because you know right and wrong. And in the business world, it's way more complex than that. Oh, it's, yeah. It's always hard. And so the business-related issues, I think the conflict has ego involved. It has power involved. Oh, yes. You've got um, personalities who don't mix involved. Mm-hmm. And those those are where the leader, I think really earns their role and their money <laughs> because they've got to manage these more complex business conflicts um, and help their team walk through them. So it can get messy from time to time. Mm-hmm. We've both been part of a lot of messy conflict. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, really, what could go wrong? <laughs> lots of things. Lots of you want to share a story first or should I? Uh, I'll let you go first. Okay. Right. I, I mean, I have like a hundred to share from. <laughs> well, it's funny. I was thinking about this, that, you know, I had this funny story from early in my career, um, where I had been, uh, doing basically an extended internship or effectively a residency at part of a large organization where I was allowed to basically sit amongst the executive team for seven months, work on projects side by side with them, really see the inner workings of the executive level, which was a rare position to have and sort of envied by middle management folks who didn't get to do that, right? And so they were, um, it was great. I had great mentors and learned a ton and saw all sorts of gnarly politics. And then I got a real job in the organization, thankfully. And so then I got kind of got dropped down from like, nice seat at the nice table to, to like, you know, the crumbs and which was fine. And like, that's how learning goes. And that, that wasn't a bad thing. But what was weird and awkward was the fact that, uh, I still had a lifeline to these key individuals. Mm-hmm. And they basically had said to me, the promise they made was, Hey, go into this job. You're going to be in this department. Go learn as much as you can. Our goal is every 12 to 18 months to move you around the organization. Right. That was sort of their And that makes sense. Right. Except for the fact that they never actually cleared that with my boss, who I was then reporting to, right? And so when push came to shove and I started sniffing around for the next thing, 12 to 18 months later, as I was led to believe, it created immense amount of conflict because my boss was like pissed. She didn't know why I was 
talking to other people about jobs. She didn't know wh- why I was applying for other things. When I, and so she was probably a little threatened. Oh, highly threatened. And so I was, she was in her office just yelling at me. <laughs> and so my mistake under pressure <laughs> was I happened to not, should not have done this. Um, I was very young. I, <laughs> I kind of just said, well, such and such told me to do it. Like, I, I, I referenced the mentor, and I added the executive Oops. level, which is about three levels above her, and that did not go over well. <laughs> so basically, she marked she marched down the hallway and started yelling at them about <laughs> it. And so uh, let's just say that very complex political business challenge was not the way to handle conflict. And it was the yeah. most effective way of utilizing business resources. No, and, and even as the person who was managing up in that scenario, I certainly could have managed the conflict differently by being much more aware of what was going on, aware of how threatened she was, aware of sort of the tenuous nature of the politics. And um, so definitely a lot of things I should have done better. But at the same time, it definitely speaks to um, there were opportunities to mine that conflict across the executive level that just were missed. And had it been mined properly, it would have benefited your business better. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. No, the, I could have been put to more use because I, frankly, in the role was sort of bored at that point, had figured everything out in that, you know, first line role and um, was looking for the next thing. And, and no one in the organization really seemed to um, find, see that opportunity for the organization, right, as a yeah. whole. And when we don't understand how to process conflict in the right way, we waste a lot of resources. Oh. So from a simple business perspective, we're hurting our P&L. Yeah. And I mean, money is important and mm-hmm. it just, it's not fun. No. And the example I have is, is just, it's a very recent example from Saturday. And it's not from a business world, but you can apply it to the business world. I'm at a cross-country race. Mm. And huge invitational meet, 70 teams, and everyone always lines up because you want to see the start of the race. Now, about five minutes before the race, I kind of get a spot because I saw a parent of mine that I wanted to stand next to. And I I stood next to him, and we were going to catch up. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, like, so we have five minutes before the race starts. And as soon as I uh, stand next to this parent, I heard a guy next to me says, well, someone's lacking a bunch of uh, uh, awareness. Wait a step right in front of me. And I look to the left, and there's this guy. And he's like, you just blocked my view of the start line. And I looked at him. I'm like, well, my sinful nature just wanted to punch the dude in the face. <laughs> and I'm like, really? This is like middle school-ish. And I didn't punch him in the face. But I said, Good. you know what? If it were me, I would just say, hey, would you mind stepping back so I can see the beginning of the race? And I said this. And, and so one of those things, as conflict can come up, we are going to encounter people who are not mature. Now, mm-hmm. this guy should have been mature looking at him. Looked like he had a fair amount of money, business, you name it. But he's probably in the in the whole sphere of, I'm just going to yell and get my way. Mm-hmm. He did not expect me to look back and say, uh, how about you just ask me, could you move back, please? And may I add, we had five minutes till the race started anyway. Right, right. Wasn't right. And so it's one of those things, whether it's a Saturday before cross country race or in business, there is going to be conflict. How do we handle it? Yeah. Do do we get mad? Do we yell at people? I've yelled at people. I've thrown highlighters at people. And both times it has not helped. Just learn from it. Well, I think the other piece of conflict here we haven't talked about, I think, too much is 
there's also that simmering conflict that's sort of just existing below the surface, yeah. right? Like yours was an acute example. Mine mm-hmm. was an acute example. Mine, you know, to some degree was more of a manifestation of some underlying conflict. But I think the other thing I'd love to hear you talk about, especially having run a, a company, is how do you get ahead of conflict, right? You get mad, you throw a highlighter, you get upset about a specific thing in a situation. Mm-hmm. But have you ever seen conflict coming, right? It's oh, not yeah. jumping to the rescue when the train runs off the tracks. It's oh, I can see down the road that the train crash is coming. How do you mind that conflict before it happens? You know what I mean? Because you see it's interpersonal, it's complex. How have you done that? Well, one, the way I've done it is by having lots of negative experiences saying, hey, that was painful and that wasn't fun. Let's not do that again. Mm-hmm. And in, in a great relationship where I've had a chance to build things out, I find one of the easiest things to do is just read body language. Mm. You know, you can say in a in a conversation, someone all of a sudden says nothing. Mm-hmm. For me, that's a red flag when mm. you're in large mm-hmm. meetings and especially back-to-back meetings and mm-hmm. someone says nothing. Huge red flag. Mm-hmm. So, and, and what I will do, a way that I will mind that with the leader is, hey, I've noticed two meetings in a row you haven't said anything. What is your opinion on it? I won't ask why you didn't speak. Mm-hmm. I will ask, what is your opinion to see if it's the same as everyone else? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if it's different, now we get into, well, why didn't you share your opinion? And it's typically into last week's episode. It's a lack of trust. Mm-hmm. Or if it is the same opinion, well, why aren't you trying to improve that? Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things... I love to read body language because it's really important. How about you? Yeah, no, I have this great story I'm thinking about from when I was working for a large uh, organization, but it was a it was a complex organization because it's a dual company. So it's part uh, physician group, part health plan, and they're two separate organizations. And so public facing, it's a single organization, but inside mm-hmm. you have this war going on. Like it's, it's sort of the, the joke was it was blue team versus red team, like inside the organization because you sort of sat on one side or the other of the conflict. It was it was a simmering conflict at all times. All teams were led by dyads, two, mm-hmm. two folks, one, one from each organization. They were broken marriages that didn't work. Everybody knew it. Everybody talked about mom and dad, and yeah. that referred to whatever pair of leaders you were talking about, whoever they led. And I could see this conflict coming a mile away in mm-hmm. my world. It's just I was in a job that was very high profile. Um, and so, you know, having seen a lot of politics in my career at that point, much further than, you know, the first example I shared straight out of grad school, uh, this one now many years later, much better experience later, I could see conflicts coming with certain leaders just naturally in business ones, not mm-hmm. personal ones, which are different. And so I began to get ahead of it by building strong partnerships and relationships with other people who had similar responsibilities to mine, such that actually by extension, instead of having like a small team, I actually had a large team working for me because those other leaders saw that I would actually help them get their jobs done. And so effectively they reported to me in terms of they would come to me and they would attend my team meetings with their mm-hmm. teams. And all of a sudden I had a team of 8, 10, 12, 15 PMs and analysts because they were all looking to me because I was actually make, making sense of all the chaos that they were otherwise feeling. And we were like working on how to set priorities together. Um, and I would say the best, um, so, so really the way I got ahead of that sort of underlying conflict was to build partnership, find common ground, Right. And I think the best compliment I ever got out of that scenario was 
I had somebody come and ask me for help with a project. Mm-hmm. And they were from the health plan side of the, of the organization. I was not. And it was purely like all health plan sort of issue. Like it wasn't something that was sort of span the two. And I looked at him. I said, that, that sounds great. I appreciate you asking. I said, you know, I'm not allowed to work on that, right? Like it's not, it's just nowhere in my wheelhouse of, of anything. And they go, oh, I forgot you work for the, like the medical group, mm-hmm. right? It had become, I'd become so synonymous with sort of the purple, you know, in terms of like spanning the gap between the blue and the red in ways that nobody else did, right? That it, that it actually enabled even me to have enough value to folks who asked me for help with stuff. that I, I literally, physically, I couldn't, like I wasn't allowed to work on it. You know what I mean? I mean, I could have, but it would have been really weird um, because it was so outside of my job description just because I'd learned to build bridges where there were naturally just organizational or political conflict, you know, that, that existed before that they became acute, mm-hmm. right? It was just natural tension. And how did it end up? Did it? Yeah, no, I mean, those teams built that we build really innovative things. We looked at the the different work we were doing in new and effective ways. We built new models. We built new, you know, we were doing access things. We got, you know, patients access to care far more quickly and, and far more effectively in ways that have ever, ever really been done before. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty It was pretty successful. But, but because was, you were able to bridge conflict, you guys got more done. And see it before it became acute. Yeah. Right? It was that looking down and going, okay, I'm either going to partner with this person or I'm going to go to blows with them in a meeting. Like, there's one of the two. And so I'm going to pick partnership now in hopes that we can solve any sort of potential issues later. And that's where we're always moving forward. We want to sharpen one another. We want to uh, and, and really move forward with our company and our leadership team and our business where it works. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes it doesn't always work. Right. We want it to. Yep. But what if it doesn't? What do we do? Yeah. No, I think um, <clears throat> I think as I think it's getting back to then what is that issue of conflict? What is the dysfunction? You know, teams like we've talked about break down for all sorts of reasons, and, and we didn't talk a lot about Lencioni's book specifically, but we've used that as a guide both for the last yeah. one and this one. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's. Um, when there's lack of clarity, lack of purpose, um, as you talk about in the book, lack of commitment, lack mm-hmm. of accountability, like those are the big red flags for leaders. You know, when there's not that clarity, you've got to see what those things are and, and step in. Um, I still think the fundamental problem with unresolved business conflict um, is back to this conflict issue, right? You either have to learn how to mine it when it pops up and you don't expect it, or even become good at seeing the tension before it becomes an acute conflict and mining it, mining it, mining it, right? I'm a big fan yeah. of like ask why five times at least, right? And you're mm-hmm. really good at this. Well, and, and why, is, why is a good word? Another word uh, that I really love to use, I'm curious. Why did we, and and the reason why I like to use the term I'm curious mm-hmm. is it's it's not a, most people when you hear I'm curious, it really means, hey, can you, can you elaborate a little more on that? And they don't feel threatened by the word. Mm-hmm. And so you can say, hey, I, I, I'm curious, Josh, do you know why, you did this behavior instead of that behavior. I'm, I'm curious because I, you, you, I, I'm sure you were thinking about it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, h- help me with that. Yeah. Well, and what I like about that approach is as you walk that person down that what I call thought experiment because mm-hmm. it sort of disarms them, right, the curiosity, is then you can lead them towards back to their commitments and their accountability. Mm-hmm. And are they missing what they're accountable for because they're not achieving results? Are they disengage now that they're not committed? Are you able to recommit them to their task? Do they need to be moved into a new job? Do they need to be exited from the organization? Right? There's a bunch, bunch of things that could lead to. Oh, yeah. But it really sets up that conversation for you as the leader to explore 
what's missing and how you fix it, either for them or the organization. Because sometimes you know, someone's too far gone, right? They miss they miss the mark too often. They don't respond to coaching, and and that's also a result. Is sometimes there's that messy need to separate, you know, a person from either a specific job, move them around, or out of the organization. Yeah, part of the. And, and unfortunately, you know, let's let's use the F word. Let's sometimes <laughs> we have to fire someone. Yeah. Um, but and my my my. With the organizations I've led, the I mean, the good news, when I've had to fire people, it's because our organization has outgrown them. They were great, yeah. great team members for a season, mm-hmm. but running a three-person organization was different than 12, which was different than 25, which mm-hmm. was different than 48. And it just, it changes. And a lot of this is, you know what? For them, it was a good thing that they were released to do work somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, thank thank God I'm, I don't have my first job when I was 14 years old. I was a bag boy for a grocery store. Mm-hmm. That's kind of awkward if I'm in my 40s still doing that. You know, there is a yeah. time to move on from certain jobs. Yeah, and you're getting into the why, right? Why does this dysfunction mm-hmm. happen, right? I think there's a natural, and this is another episode we've done, you know, the seasons and rhythms. There are natural rhythms and seasons to jobs, to people in jobs. Um the other, you know, I think negative piece to keep in mind just that exists is people also have egos right? oh. and they're self-centered and they get, you know, sideways with each other and themselves. Um, and that also, you know, that conflict can take root and become the persons. We talked a lot about business conflict. We haven't talked about the personal conflict as much. And, and I think that's just, while not something we need to get into a ton Let's not discount the fact that sometimes it's just a personal conflict issue. That yeah. Few people can't get over themselves to get along. And that's um, also something that if that's sort of, and we'll talk about here at the end, if that's the issue, then you, you really got to make some hard choices around the F word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Usually at least one of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was, I was playing around and I, I shouldn't have said this, this but actually it, it was so true. And it was, it was a fellow Christian of mine and, and and we were talking and like someone I I think we just n- might need to fire someone in the name of Jesus and, and we we didn't I I say that because sometimes lovingly it's for their best interest it's that true. they move on somewhere else I know it it, it was better for our organization mm-hmm. and really that person needed to move on somewhere else uh, and, and actually they got a better job they were able to keep growing they were stuck because we had we, we had basically grown to disagree mm-hmm. they're going to go that way i'm going to go this way mm-hmm. okay yeah that's that's totally okay that's, like, that's abraham and lot mm-hmm. right that was very much a okay we got it this is this is the time to part ways <laughs> and abraham was a servant enough to say okay lot you pick because this isn't working anymore together yeah you pick which way you want to go mm-hmm. right so let's talk about the how Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, you know, one reason we love coaching and consulting is because we can help leaders with the how, depending on um, the type of conflict they're facing. Right. Sometimes you need yep. a yep. second set of eyes, either from a coaching perspective or a consulting perspective. So I think, that, so let's talk about this. I think there's five things I was noting, you know, that how you assess conflict. Okay. Right? And I'll tell a story as we go here, and maybe you can chime in as well as we go. But one, I think you've got to know what is the conflict, okay. right? Um, in an example, I was thinking of another organization was working for one of the two key executives in the organization who was being considered to take over for a longtime CEO who had, you know, was leaving and it was very much an, a friendly sort of he's retiring and therefore we're replacing and it was a functional handing off of that power structure. But not without drama when you get two key folks internally and you've got sort of all the folks for one who are trying to support them and the other. Um, 
So what's the conflict? The conflict in that case is who's going to be the next CEO? Mm-hmm. Um, who's involved in the conflict? Well, in this case, it's not only the two key leaders, which is obvious, but then it's a lot of their top lieutenants and leaders who are working for them. And, and I had a unique situation where I generally worked for one, but I had a specific project that I was leading across multiple silos of the company, and I worked directly with the other one. So I actually had both vantage points during this process, which was fascinating. Um, now, here's here's a key point. How much of the conflict then is business-related or personal-related, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and there's a key sort of – it's good to assess them, and there's always a little bit of both. But if it's mostly business-related, you can generally sort of focus on the business issues. And in this case, it was, right? I mean, personally, obviously, they had different philosophies, but it was business philosophy. They didn't – like – there was not a sense that they personally disliked each other specifically for that. Now, they disagreed on a lot of stuff, but it wasn't personal. But it could be. In that case, there'd be different ways to deal with it. Um, but in this case, you know, that was the CEO's job was to sort of steer the organization in the right way. Once the decision was made, the fourth piece then in the how is the leader has to help resolve the business conflict. So in this case, the CEO and the board, they resolve the conflict by making a clear decision, right? X person A is the choice. Person B is not. Person A was then elevated to a co-CEO, co-president type role for some period of time to transition. That's very healthy. Um, that was clearly communicated to the organization. And what they did well is they clearly communicated. Yeah. What it, I see it, frequently yeah. in coaching is, well, I, I made this really obvious. Did you say it? Well, no, but it was assumed. Yeah. I don't yeah. I, I don't care. You have to say it like yeah. five times. Yeah, this was a large They order. should know. Yeah. Leader A is going to lead the organization, or this is the direction we're going to go. Yeah. No, they did a good job with that. And then the last thing you have to do is recognize, usually when there is some kind of conflict, and even, and I would say for sure, if it's more than 25% personal, pick your number, but not 25% personal, likely someone needs to leave. Yes. Right? And even in this case... In this case, again, healthy process, mostly business-related. The other person who was not selected, he he knew. He had a lot of integrity, actually, even though (laughs) there was lots of other things. But he he had a lot of integrity. He knew, hey, if I wasn't chosen, it's not good for me to stay. So he actually resigned within weeks of the decision, right? He didn't linger, which I think was good for the organization. But the CEO... At that time, he would have had to make a decision if the he, that person had not reached that conclusion on their own. He, he may have had to step in and, and just let him go because it would have created an immense amount of conflict amongst the teams even. Even if the individual got, got underneath it, it just it doesn't – it's dysfunctional, right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah. And so don't be surprised when someone has to be reassigned, moved, shuffled out um, to really resolve conflicts, especially when they get into the personal side. But if done right, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Team, yeah, I mean, organizations propel forward, efficiencies gained, you know, synergy happens, right? That's the more than the sum of the parts. That's what you're after in business. That's what value is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the end of the, this episode here on the dysfunctions of a team. We, we're glad you joined us today. Um, we do want to invite you to go to our website, check us out, the consultant and the coach, if we can, of course, help you out. We'd love to get on the phone with you for 15 minutes, talk about what's going on with you, what you might need. Uh, anytime, reach out. Uh, Eric, what do we have up next week? Business capabilities, man. Okay. How high is our ceiling and how can we raise it, man? What are our capabilities? And hey, how do we coach that? How do you consult and get the right people yep. in the right spot of the bus? Yep. Individual capabilities, business capabilities. Exactly. Because, you know, we want high performers. The higher performer you are, 
the more your business can win. Excellent. So, hey, that's next week. And, and, and figuring that out for both ourselves and uh, our organizations, that's what it's all about, man. Great. Well, th- thanks again for joining us here on The Consultant and the Coach, where we're helping leaders along the journey. We hope we can be helpful to you, and uh, we'd love to hear from you anytime. Yeah. Okay, until next week. All right, take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Consultant and the Coach podcast on dysfunctions of a team. Hey, if you need to uh, dive a little deep, hey, send Josh or myself an email. You can get our contact information in the show notes or go to theconsultantandthecoach.com. And until next week, have a wonderful, wonderful week. <laughs>